there's pr- there's new pressings of ah fucking god son of a piss hell there's an outtake for you hey this is Anihile from Zulu and you are listening to the new scene everybody and welcome to the new scene. I am your host Keith and we're back with another brand new episode. And on the show this week, we have Iteria Rosenberg of Rid of Me. Rid of Me have just put out an excellent, excellent new LP on Knife Hits Records. It's called Access to the Lonely. And we cover everything. Us coming up in the Bucks County scene, the music we love, addiction, recovery, mental health, the bands, the record, everything. It's a fantastic conversation, and that's coming up shortly. Also, this episode features the debut of our Artist Spotlight series, and that's where we interview up-and-coming bands, legacy bands doing something new, or just people I feel like talking to. And this week, we spoke to Tristan DeGraves from Incendiary Device. They have a new self-titled record out on Bridge Nine. So stick around after the conversation with Iteria to hear from Tristan. But before we get to all of that, here's how you can support the new scene. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. Follow us on Twitch at The New Scene. Shirts. We have shirts available for sale at our store at Death Wish Inc. There's short sleeve t-shirts. There's a long sleeve version. The long sleeve has limited quantities. Large is sold out, so grab that while you can. Reviews. We need five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I am on the push to 200 reviews on Apple Podcasts. And listen, around half of our audience listens on Apple Podcasts. So now is your time to contribute. Open up your iPhone, open up the podcast app, search the new scene, scroll down a little bit, and hit that five-star button. And if you write a review, I'll read it at the end of the show during the New Scene Community Hour. We're up to 152. We've got to get to 200. So thank you so much to everybody who has submitted a review so far. Also, you can always email me at newscenepod at iodinerecords.com. Also, don't forget to support Iodine Recordings. Horsewhip, Consume and Burn, the LP is out now. Best X. With a Smile, the LP is out now. Dead Bars, Regulars, the LP is out now. Pick those up. Check those out. And join the Iodine Noise Cult. Do you love the label? Do you find yourself purchasing a lot of their releases? If you join the Noise Cult now, you'll get these records. Are you ready for this? Stretch Armstrong, A Revolution Transmission. Rebuilder, Local Support. Garrison, Orange Island Split. Horsewhip. Consume and Burn, Garrison, A Mile in Cold Water, and Six Going on Seven, Self-Made Mess. You get free shipping. You get hand-numbered Obi strips. It's a great deal. There's limited spaces left, so sign up soon. Jerome's Dream have East Coast tour dates in February. 
Check out their page or the iodine page for a full list of dates. I will be at the St. Vitus gig for sure, because that's the best show I saw this year, and I want to see it again. Great band. And Best X have two upcoming gigs. One is December 10th at Heaven Can Wait in New York City, and the other one is December 16th in Providence, Rhode Island at Alchemy. Also, don't forget to support this month's sponsor, Bridge Nine Records. New York hardcore band Incendiary Device. Their debut album is out right now, and you can order the vinyl at bridge9.com. You'll be hearing more from Tristan later. He'll tell us all about the band and the record. Sign up for Bridge Nine's email list. You'll get information about new releases, exclusive in-store shows and events, and promotions go out to the email subscribers regularly. Get 20% off in the Bridge Nine store with code NEWSCENEPOD at checkout. If you've been waiting to buy something, if you're picking up holiday gifts for someone, now is the time. Stop by the Bridge Nine record store at 282 Rantoul Street in Beverly, Massachusetts. It's open every Wednesday through Sunday, starting at 11 a.m. There's always special deals going on in the store, including lots of exclusive record store day releases and special vinyl variants pulled from the Bridge Nine Volt. There's new pressings available for Defeater, No Warning, and Iron Sheik. Those are available in the record store and online, so grab yours now. Use that code NEWSCENEPOD for 20% off at checkout. And for Thanksgiving weekend, including Black Friday and Small Business Saturday, that's November 23rd through the 26th, get 20% off in the Bridge 9 web store. Use the New Scene Pod code. You have to. This is a great deal. For more information, head to bridge9.com or to the Bridge 9 Instagram at Bridge 9. That's Bridge N-I-N-E. Okay. So listen, check back in with me at the end of the show. I'll tell you everything that's going on with me. We'll do the New Scene Community Hour. We'll read some feedback from listeners. I have a music recommendation for you. We'll cover everything. But right now, but right now, we are going to speak to Iteria Rosenberg of Rid of Me. Enjoy.
All right. We are here now with Iteria Rosenberg. Iteria, welcome to the show. Hey, Keith. How's it going? I'm doing great, Iteria. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And I'm doing even better. I'm doing even better now that you're here. And uh, look, there's a lot going on with you. We have rid of me now. We have the Access to the Lonely LP coming out soon. And we're all very excited for that. And we're going to get to all of that. But first, Iteria, I want to ask you, how are you doing today? I'm chilling. Straight up chilling. I'm at my I'm at McGinnis's house right now. Michael McGinnis, you may know him. I- <laughs> oh, I know him. Is he there? <laughs> He's there. He's upstairs. I'm in his basement right now. You tell him I said hi when you see him. I will. Absolutely. Yes. yes. I'll be like, what's up? From Keith. Hello. He's been on this show before too. Do you know that? I do know that. Yeah. Yeah. I am fully aware. Where does he live? Uh, Port Richmond. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where do you live? Let me give the exact address for everybody. Ready? No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to write it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I live in South Philly. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious because I have not spoken to you in a long time. I know. It's been a minute. We used to hang out quite a bit back in the day. Yeah. Do you, we, didn't we live together for a second? Did you live at the Subviva house? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I was moving in just as you were moving out. That's so there was right. A, there was a little bit of overlap. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh yeah, you know what? Let's take it back a bit because I want to uh I want to fill in some of the blanks on your history. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Um ah. yes, but I've lived in Philly for like almost 20 years. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now I met you when we were going to shows in Bucks County, I remember seeing you at Palanca Park and Ben Salem and Philly yep. shows and all of that stuff, right? Yes, that is correct. We went to a lot of shows back in those days. I still go to a, not as many shows, but a fair amount of shows. But yeah, we met at those gigs. And uh, Right, right. Yeah. So you're growing up in Doylestown. Talk about early show going experiences. How did you discover it? Where did you come in? What grabbed you? Talk about some of that. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. Uh, Well, I've always loved music and I grew up like dancing. So I always listened to a lot of music. I guess I started to realize that like heavier music or uh, (laughs) it's like ironic because Nirvana is like one of the most popular bands to ever exist. But they they led me to underground music, you know, bands like Sonic Youth and Fugazi and stuff like that. Um, Before that, though, I also was getting into like Green Day and Operation Ivy and I guess I had friends that were in bands. I had bands too, but we didn't really play shows at that time when I was like a kid. Um, And there were just like tons of DIY shows like popping up and punk shows. And I started going to punk shows and I started going to shows in the city at like Stalag and Kill Time and 4040. Um, And that got me into like hardcore. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. It was just kind of like a natural evolution with like the people I was hanging out with and the music that I was finding myself to kind of get into at that time. Uh, there was just like a prevalent DIY scene. Like Philly's always been good for that. And like the outlying areas, I think so. Yeah. The, like such a vibrant scene, which is the whole reason I started this podcast in the first place. But yeah. then you had our thing in Bucks County. You had everything going on in Philly, which was nuts. And there was always something going on in Delaware, Jersey, New York, you name it. Yeah, there were 
lots of shows going on all the time. I mean, we would drive to like CBGBs all the time and stuff back in the day too. Um, yeah, very cool. Very great area for music still. So you were, you were actually in bands when you were younger too. When I was like a kid. Yeah, kind of. I mean, we didn't really play many shows. I guess like there was a band I was in when I was 19 called Let's Play Doctor. We played a couple of shows. We actually played with like um, Majority Rule and stuff back in the day. But oh, wow. uh, yeah, but uh, nothing really happened with that. I didn't really start like playing hard in bands until much later in life. What did you do in the early band? Did you sing, play guitar, both? Sing, sang, sang in that sang. band. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. And was there any one particular sound that grabbed you in the world of punk or were you just kind of into everything? Like when I came in, I instantly got grabbed by hardcore, metalcore, all the like heavy crossover stuff that was going on at the time. Yeah, I guess ah, it's hard to say. Like, I think I was more in as far as like heavy punk stuff goes, like more of the realm of like his hero is gone and like tragedy. Um I but I also really liked hardcore too. I really liked like Ink and Dagger, but I liked like weirder stuff too, like Sonic Youth, and they got me into like more even like weirder poppy stuff, like Talk Talk, and um, I guess it's in terms of like heavy music. It's hard to say. I I just like love music in general. Like it's not really. It's more just like the songs. If it takes me somewhere and uh, I can like, I feel moved by it. Um, I'm fucking in. So. Absolutely. And Ink and Dagger, one of the best bands of all time. Yes. Hard agree. I have a bat tattooed on the side of my neck because of Ink and Dagger. Wait, you do? I have a bat tattoo on my arm because of Ink and Dagger. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Good for you. (laughs) Yes. Excellent. Okay. So you're discovering this music. You're going to shows. Uh, Let's talk about like high school age. What's going on with you Do you have any sort of plan or vision for what you want to do with your life? Do you want to perform in bands? Like, what's going on with you? High school was weird. Uh, I Well, I used to do, like, I used to dance. I grew up dancing. um, And I used to do, like, theater. I had a bit of a tumultuous experience as a teenager in the sense that, like, I was, like, in and out of mental institutions. So it was hard for me to really, like, navigate, like, what... I was just, like, kind of trying to get through the day a lot of the time. Um, my life was like pretty chaotic. Um, I was still dancing a lot though, too. Um, so I wasn't really sure. Uh, I, I always knew that I wanted to like play music and be in bands, but I wasn't equipped at the time to understand how much that meant to me or like how to, to what direction to go into and like to have kind of the confidence to, uh, know myself in this way to like make these kinds of moves. So it wasn't, it took some time. I was just kind of, it was a little bit chaotic for me in my teenage years. Um, yeah, I, I I feel you on that. You said you were in and out of mental institutions. What was going on with you? What were you dealing with? Well, I don't know. Uh, I was diagnosed with bipolar, but I think I was just really, really, you know, I suffer from severe depression. I, I don't, uh, I'm not, a lot of kids back in that time period got misdiagnosed uh, with bipolar. I'm not bipolar. I don't think anyway. Uh, But I've always suffered with like pretty severe depression and my parents were super busy and I think it was just like really difficult for them to navigate. And um, so they just kind of put me in places. (laughs) (laughs) I see. No shades of my parents. Parenting is hard, but uh, it was, 
yeah it was um yeah yeah i mean that that's <laughs> that that must have been really tough right because your your parents i guess didn't know how to deal with it they're giving you to an institution. Hopefully, they know how to deal with it. Maybe you're, you're. It sounds like you're getting misdiagnosed. I mean, how did that feel? Like, what, what, what is some of the stuff that you went through processing that? Well, I didn't really know. You know, I kind of just felt bad because I felt like something, you know, was wrong with me. Uh, I, I was so young, you know, and and how old? Like when when that started? Uh, the first time I was. Sixth grade is when it started. I see. Yeah. What prompted it? Were you just like, did you say to your parents, like, I'm depressed or like, what what prompted the whole thing? Yeah, I started getting bullied pretty hard because I like got in a punk and um, I developed early, which uh, people like to bully you about. Um, sometimes, or I, at least I was bullied about that. Uh, no, I I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. Like if if you're a young woman and and you develop early, other women will make fun or, of you. Because- well, so I don't identify as a woman, but if you're right. if you're a person that has breasts naturally yes. without getting them, you know, like or or you know, if you're AFAB, uh, yeah, it is. That that is something that I experienced, and I know other people that have experienced it, but I certainly don't want to speak for everyone's experience um, in terms of coming into that. But yeah, for sure, I got kind of picked on for that, getting into punk, just like started getting bullied, and I think it affected me in ways that were maybe a little bit more dramatic than other people. I don't really know; it's hard to say. But I started getting like I, I just didn't do anything. Like I was just a mess. Like I just didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to do anything. Like I was just horribly depressed. I started, you know, like thinking about killing myself and, um, yeah. So then my parents sought out help and that's kind of how it started. Did it help being in the institutions? Um, I met some really incredible and interesting people. Um, I'm sure it helped in some way, but I'm not really sure. I feel like there's this blanket idea or concept of how to help like people, (laughs) you know, and in, in many different capacities. Right. You know, we, I think we, as people get caught up, I was kind of actually having a conversation, not about this specific topic, but about concepts in general earlier with McGinnis, we were talking about, you know, even just like the concept of like land ownership and how crazy that is. Um, But, you know, like, we get caught up in these ideas of like concepts and how, like how things are supposed to work. And it's like, Oh, well, if you're experiencing this, then this is going to help you. Right. Or if you're, you know, if you're this, then this, right. And it just doesn't really work that way. So I think with anything in life, I try to hope, well, I hope that I learn something from it. Um, and I, and I think, uh, being surrounded by people with all like a variety of different problems. Um, I hope, uh, has made me a more empathetic and understanding person. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I'm sure it helped in in some ways. It's hard to uh, even understand if it's helping, especially at that age, because you probably don't even know what's going on, right? Yeah, I think so. Like you're, I mean, sixth grade or even like sixteen. Like you're so young, you know. At that time, you don't think you're that young, of course. Uh, but you are, and there's a lot you don't know, and there's a lot none of us will ever know. Um, 
but you don't even think about things in terms like that when you're that age. Right. <clears throat> so right. you just don't have a lot of experience. It just is what it comes down to. There's just not a whole lot of life experience there. I think. Yeah. In, in grade school, I got bullied by like most of the class and I used to be really outgoing and like the class clown and I got beaten down so much that I, I just completely stopped talking to anyone. And then I went through some other stuff in uh, high school and, you know, they would like send me to the guidance counselor. Right. But it, it was like that trailer outside the school. I don't think, it, I don't even know if it was like a real psychologist or anything. And I had no idea what was going on. And believe me, there would be a long road to uh, whatever normal is. But listen. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a story for another time. We're here to talk about you. Okay. So out of high school, going to shows, all that stuff. What is your life like? Do you have any kind of plan like, oh, I want to play music or I want to go to college? Like, what's going on with you? Um, I was living on my own with, or Mebus and I. Do you know Mark Mebus? Oh, yeah. Mebus and I were living together. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And he was, I mean, he used to put on a ton of shows. Like, he, yeah. Yeah. He was super involved in music. Um. Mark Beavis, owner of 20th Street Pizza, Philadelphia. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> is he, uh, does he own Blackbird too? Was that he him? He did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Beavis is the shit. Yeah. He's yeah. a great guy. I knew him as uh, the guy who really liked All Else Failed. Because like, yeah. <laughs> when, whenever, I, whenever I was at an All Else Failed show, I would always see him there and he would be really into it and I would be really into it. He is definitely, he was definitely the guy that really likes All Else Failed. Yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, that was Vivas <laughs> for sure. Um, and then, that didn't last very long because we were like really young. And then, I don't know, I, I was kind of just, I've always just kind of meandered, you know? Um, uh, so I wasn't, I loved music um, obsessively, as I still do. It's my safe space, like whether I'm playing it or going to a show or listening to it um, or thinking about it. Uh, so I was like really involved in like going to see live music all the time. But I guess like I was dealing with a lot of different things uh, internally that maybe stunted me in a lot of ways. Um, it made me feel like incapable or just, it just took me a while to really understand, uh, that I could play music and that it is like something that is very empowering to me and it does come very naturally to me. And it's the way I've always thought about things. Um, so I wasn't like really thinking about playing music myself at that time, but I was heavily involved in, in music otherwise. When did you start to play again? So I've always like fucked around on guitar. Like I never, I've always like kind of played an instrument. Um, but it wasn't until I was like 29 where my ex-husband and I and some friends decided to do like a Nirvana cover band. Mm -hmm. And so we did for like a Halloween show and it was really fun. And then we decided to start, keep continue to play music together. Um, so then I started like writing and performing and that's that was legendary divorce um yes yeah now i remember hearing about this band <laughs> and you fronting a band and performing and i remember thinking man that's so cool because i had been in bands right yeah but i i wanted to front a band so bad because you know i already played bass i already played guitar 
I was like, this is all that's left. I'd built up to this. And I, I was also like really fucked up in the head and otherwise. And I thought, you know, this is the answer to whatever it is I'm looking for. Sure. So I, I heard you were doing it and I was like, man, I need to do that too. Yes. Uh, it, it didn't happen at that time, but listen, that's, you know, that that's besides the point. So you're playing, <laughs> <laughs> did it come, did it come naturally to you? Like, did, I mean, did you find it difficult to like, you know, play and sing at the same time or write songs or any of that? Um, it came pretty naturally to me. Uh, I think because I've always, you know, like music is, it, I think in terms of melody a lot of the time, you know? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was pretty, it came pretty, pretty naturally, pretty easily to me once I like sat down and started focusing on those things. I've, you know, like, had it moving in my head for so long. So it felt good to like finally just fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah. So legendary divorces together. We are playing original songs. We are playing shows, right? Yes. How long does that continue for? Till 2017. Um, when I went through a really horrible divorce. Uh, and now, the band is called Legendary Divorce. <laughs> and and I, you ended I had a legendary divorce. You ended up yeah. having a legendary divorce. Do you feel that the name manifested it or you know? Um, I think the relationship manifested it, but Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it you know, it is kind of funny that we were in a band together called Legendary Divorce as well. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, there was a little bit of crossover between Legendary Divorce and uh, Lodos. So Legendary Divorce was a band for, I don't know, like five years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that right? Well, let's see. Uh, I don't know what time is. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah some, some amount of years, right? And then, yeah. and then I started when Fight Amp broke up, they hit me up and they were like, hey, we want to start a new band. Would you want to like, sing and play guitar and i was like sure so then we started lodos um and during that time legendary divorce broke up so there was like I a slight see. overlap yeah how out there did you get in legendary divorce did you tour a lot like how far did no, you travel we didn't really tour we played a lot of shows but we didn't do like much touring or anything the other dudes like had toured and like brian who's in the starting line um he was still touring at the time. I forget. They always, mm -hmm. they have like a weird thing where they like stop and start again constantly. Um, so yeah, no, we didn't, we were like, right. We wrote a lot and we recorded an EP in a full length and we played a lot of shows, but we didn't really like tour much now. So uh, did the band and like, what came first, the divorce or the end of the band? So the, uh, I guess it kind of, the end of the band, before that, actually, I toured with Creepoid. It was the first time I played bass. So oh. it was like before Lodos started, I did a month on the road with Creepoid. And yeah, I played bass for them. And then I got back and that's when everything just kind of started falling apart. Um, what happened? Well, uh, my ex-husband has... He has, uh, as do I, but we have different versions of alcoholism. And mm -hmm. he became like pretty tough. And then he had um, a, and like 
an affair with one of my best friends and things just kind of got really bad really fast but it was always kind of underlying i think uh there was it, the relationship was always a little bit problematic um but yeah things got things just kind of whatever and i think like me being on the road for so long when we like he was feeling really he has a lot of ego and insecurity issues and it was just like a lot that kind of happened all at once and it imploded um which now like upon reflection i was like i'm very i know this sounds fucked up but i'm very happy that it did because i'm not sure it was like ever ever really healthy even when things were really good um i don't know if i ever could have like truly i don't know if i couldn't would have been able to know myself like i do now or just be be able to be feel as fulfilled as I do in a lot of ways now. No, I understand that because, you know, I have a history with addiction and alcoholism and I've been in unhealthy relationships where, well, I've been in many relationships where I'm unhealthy and then I've been in relationships where both people are unhealthy. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad everything worked out the way that it did because you know, I'm able to work on myself and then hopefully be in a normal relationship down the road somewhere. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So I've read that about you, that uh, you said you struggled with alcoholism. You were talking about uh, the song Hell of It, which is a, uh, a, a Rid of Me song on the new album, which we're going to get there. But talk about your relationship with alcohol. Do you still drink? Are you done now? I do not drink. Um it's best for everyone. I drank all my <laughs> drinks. I've had my yeah. drinking license revoked. Um, yeah, I have a pretty problematic relationship with alcohol. Uh, I'm like one of those people that when I, once I start, like I do not stop. I just want to obliterate. Um, yeah. I blacked out a lot. I would get into fucking wild and dangerous situations a lot. Um, I just, there was a lot of shit that I just didn't want to deal with or didn't want to face. And uh, it was a very easy and accessible escape. And I just liked getting fucked up, uh, which could be really fun, uh, but also really dark. So yeah, I, uh, I miss it. I do. I, uh, I read, I read a quote from you. You said, now I reflect instead of indulge. (laughs) And that, that hit me because uh, I don't obsess anymore because, you know, I'm like involved in recovery. It took a lot, lot, lot of work to get me out of that cycle of addiction, you know, because yeah, sure. uh, it's, well, a- alcohol was never my main thing. But if I, uh, if I if I drank, I would do this. And if I did this, I would do this. So it was a chain reaction effect every time. You yeah, know? absolutely. If I picked up anything. So I had to quit everything. Did you, did you stop doing everything? No. I still smoke weed. I actually ate a little bit of mushrooms uh, before our interview. So I'm. You I ate mushrooms be- before the interview? Yeah. I'm on wow. a little bit of mushrooms right now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> it, eases, it, it levels me a little bit. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I still smoke weed. I still do psychedelics. Uh, I've done cocaine maybe like three times uh, over the past, like, you know, three years or whatever. But those were never that was never a problem for me. Like I can be like, uh, you know, 
I can go to a rave and do like a little bit of Molly and be in bed by like 3 a.m. You know, like it, it, it was always the drinking for me for some reason. Um, so I, yeah, I did not stop doing other things. I did stop drinking though. Drinking, drinking is what really is, is my, that's my Achilles heel, if you will. So drinking is the real problem. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh I, um, wow. I'm kind of jealous because I can't do anything without fucking everything up. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. I I feel, I feel so fortunate. Like I feel bad for all of my homies that like, you know, I'm proud of you. You guys are the shit. You fucking rock. I'm so sorry that like you can't indulge in other things occasionally. Like, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fine because my life is way better now. It's like yes. it can be boring, right? Because I can't like go out on an all nighter or an yeah. all nighter and meet like weird people and end yeah. up at some random person's house anymore. Oh yeah, but I'm financially stable and I have all these <laughs> w- wonderful creative pursuits, so that's good. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't miss it at all, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah. So when you you do mushrooms before the interview, I guess you don't do a lot, right? Because no. then you would just be yeah. Oh no, I just I microdosed, yeah. So if you had microdosed, what it just like kind of eases it a bit. Maybe everything's vibrating yeah. just a little bit. Yeah, I just feel a little relaxed, a little giddier, maybe just a little. Chill. I like that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. <laughs> so legendary divorce is over. Fight amp breaks up. You get hit up, and we start low dose. Yes. 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 Now, I, I remember hearing that record for the first time, and I was very impressed by it. It was a, it's a great record. So, thank you. Talk about the beginning of that band. Like, we come together. What do we want to accomplish? What's like the mission statement? What are some uh, influences? What are we trying to do? Oh yeah, I don't know. We just kind of like they had some like leftover like riffs and song ideas from like Fight Amp that we kind of reworked, and then we wrote new songs, and we were just kind of feeling it out you know i think we were trying to we didn't really get to very far with low dose you know we were i think we were all kind of trying to figure out our sound together and how to work together and um you know mike and i were always friends but we became like really close uh when we started like writing together um and now he's like he's like my platonic life mate um yeah i don't know what i would do without him (laughs) so yeah truly um yeah, I don't know. We just we just started writing rocking and just kind of like we're curious to see where it went, but then things kind of got cut short and that's when uh Mike and I decided to start rid of me. Right. So Lodo Lodos put out the self-titled record on Brutal Panda, right? Yeah. R.I.P. Mike Lara, love and miss you. And we uh, were we were out there uh playing a lot of shows. I remember that. What happened yes. with that bin? Um not all uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of three of us saw things one way and one person saw things another way. And uh, three of us are in rid of me together and another person is not in rid of me. Um, I see. Yeah. I so see. It, we just kind of came to a head and it just, we were just like, fuck it to the point where like John stopped playing music for a while. So, um, But Mike and I were like, we need to keep playing together and we need to keep writing together. So it just was, we just didn't see eye to eye on things, um, you know. Understood. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in in a band situation, it can be very hard to uh, work together in general because people have different ideas about things. But if one person 
is dug in against the other three about whatever it was and just won't budge, then what can you do? Not be in a band with that person. Yeah. (laughs) 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 It's like dating. You're like dating. I'm like, you know, I'm like dating three different people. Like we're all very up in each other's shit. Like, um, so if it doesn't work, like you can't, yeah, don't, don't do it. Yeah. It's, you know what? It's uh it's a comparison that gets used a lot is the relationship or dating thing, but it's very true. Yes. It's very very true. true. There's bickering, uh, there's arguing, you got to like apologize for shit. You got to figure out how to work together. It's, 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 there's a lot of similarities. You're on, we just did our last tour of Cherubs, you know, we're on the road for almost a month together. Like we're never not around each other, you know, like it's like you're, yeah, you're in a relationship with these people. (laughs) (laughs) So low dose ends, rid of me starts. We have three out of four people, right? So is there... I mean, is there a, a dynamic shift once we start the new band? Is there is, how are, is there things that we're doing differently? Like what changes? Well, I think Mike and I felt really Mike McGinnis. So there's Mike McGinnis who plays guitar uh, and Mike Howard who plays drums. Now, both of them were in Fight Amp. So uh, Mike Howard at one point uh, was in Fight Amp as well. Um, we call them McGinnis and Howard. It's just easier. We know like so many mics. Um, yeah. so, so McGinnis and I were, I think we're just excited to just start fresh. And like, we, we had so many ideas. We work so well creatively together. Um, it's really awesome. We have such a sick creative writing relationship. So we, we were just like stoked to be like, you know what? Now we don't have to like consider all of these other things we can just like start fresh and then we asked howard we originally were going to be a three-piece so i was like mike's a better mcginnis is a better guitar player than i am so i was like you play guitar i'll play bass um so yeah we started as a three-piece and then we were like this uh isn't we need more right um so then that's when we we asked ruben to join the band and he was in the band for a little while and then yeah but is no longer in the band clearly um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to talk about that, but yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, democratically we'll, do, we'll, 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 yes. d- we'll do that. So the band gets started now. I, I guess this was around like pandemic time. Yeah. Yeah. So it was funny. We were actually, when we were just a three piece, we were going to go on tour with soul glow. Um, and then COVID happened and we, we went into lockdown and then that's when Ruben joined the band and then we wrote traveling or I guess we, yeah, we had been writing traveling and then, and then asked Ruben to join the band. Right. Yeah. So you had a tour with soul glow. It got canceled. It was booked. Yeah. It got canceled because of COVID. Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. It was a bummer. But so we wrote and recorded a record instead. Oh, okay. You did that during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And how was it for you during that time? Like, did, I mean, did you do okay during it? Was it weird? Like, how was it? I think it was surreal for, I I thought it was surreal. It was, I definitely started it off drinking pretty hard. Um, and then, So you were still drinking at that point? Yeah, I was still drinking at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. Mm. Um, I quit, yeah. I mean, it, the pandemic is still happening, but uh, during lockdown, yeah. yes. In the beginning yeah. of lockdown, I was still drinking. And I was like... I don't know. It was weird. I was like hanging out with an ex of mine. I was like staying at their place a bunch. Um, I don't know. I guess like it was fucked up. I think the pandemic was fucked up, but it was also fine. We wrote and recorded a record. It was sick, you know, and uh, 
I learned a lot about myself and I, I was like also living alone. So I was like spending a lot of time alone. And I think that helped me like come to a lot of realizations. So like what? Uh, like needing to quit drinking or that uh, a lot of uh, personal spiritual shit, um, thinking yeah. about my you know gender, thinking about things like that. Uh, yeah, just like getting to know myself a little bit better, I suppose. Facing some shit. When did you quit drinking? You said it was the like during, uh, was it during lockdown or no, after? No, it was after. It was almost three years ago. Okay. Yeah. And what was there a tipping point or a particular thing that happened where you're just like, I can't do I this mean, anymore? I mean, kind of. I knew that I, I should have quit drinking like years ago. Um, yeah. You know, I, I knew it. I knew it the entire time. But I just started like blacking out literally every time that I drank. And I was just like doing crazy shit, you know? Um, and I was like, I can't, this can't, I can't maintain this. I was like, this is a nightmare. It just sucks. So then I was like, I got to stop. I got to quit drinking. And then I did. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you stop, like, can you just stop and that's it? Or did you like start and stop a couple of times? Like me, I so, tried to quit. I tried to substitute, like, I'll just do this and not that. And then I tried to stop on my own and nothing worked until, you know, I found the thing that worked. But what was your experience? I just kind of quit. I, I, I cheated once. I didn't even cheat. I was like, I'm just going to like drink. And then I was like, I'm not doing this. Um, and then, yeah, it was just kind of like, I when it was like something flipped in my brain, right? And I just, I just did it. And That's good. Yeah, it was great. I'm, I'm very thankful for it. I also like, so I'm, I microdosed for like two weeks and then I got really into working out. So I think having those two things, just like from the get, I was like, I'm just going to fucking go hard on working out and I'm going to like, yeah. I started like regimenting my day, you know, like really getting organized in this way. So that was really helpful. Yeah, that energy has to go somewhere, right? Yes. So the 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 working out is a is a great thing that uh, a lot of people who put down something get into. Yeah, definitely. I think so. It's helped me immensely. I hard recommend it to everybody. And uh in terms of gender, you identify as he now, correct? I do. And uh talk about that like when did you come to that realization and how? Well, um, I think I always like kind of knew, right? Um, but I also, so I was also kind of talking about this with McGinnis um, earlier where I'm still kind of trying to figure it out. Uh, I think me personally, I think gender is also a concept and it's like something that we, it just is, right? Because it exists, um, because it's where we're at, even though I don't particularly believe in the concept of it uh, personally, um, but I have to like identify as something. Um, I think trans mask is the closest thing. That's the place I feel, I guess, most comfortable in. But it's also kind of confusing because, and I think this is the reason why it took me so long to come out, is like... Uh, I don't really have a desire and I'm not being trans is a personal thing. It's a spiritual thing and there's no right or wrong way of doing it. And that's something that I have 
realize, and there's a lot of judgment out there from everybody. You know, everybody wants to fucking tell you like how you're supposed to do shit, right? Which I am completely against. <laughs> I don't want to tell anybody how to do anything. Just like fucking do you, right? As long as like you're happy and healthy and you're kind to others, like fucking right on. Um, exactly. Yeah, but you know, like I don't, I don't feel this desire to like go on tea or like, you know, I don't know how I feel about top surgery. Like, I don't like, I don't have any desire to like change my body in any way because I don't believe that bodies or genitalia are like inherently masculine or feminine, even though that's how we know them. Right. But you know, I'm a fucking dude. So, you know, uh, and I feel in terms spiritually, you know, uh, masculine um and that's just where where i vibe i guess uh so yeah i've always i mean even when i worked at relapse like years ago like my nickname there was like broteria you know like i've always just been kind of (laughs) you know like so it's like we all kind of knew um but it took a long time because it's hard because explaining to people is fucking hard because uh you know it's scary and it's hard and yeah. Yeah, cuz it's it sounds like you're still figuring it out to a degree and it, it's still new territory like these conversations weren't happening to this degree 5 years ago, 10 years ago as no. much as they are now. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. It's it's a beautiful thing. And I've grown up with like, you know, growing up dancing and in theater and stuff. We were always around like queer people and you know, like there were trans people um so I've been like around them, like kind of my whole life, but not, not to the capacity where the conversation is where it is now, where people are able to, and also it's like a spectrum, just like anything else, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that that is now becoming more acceptable. Actually, Jenna from the Heroes Collective, like really inspires me. And like, she really helps me with that. Like, you know, she finds such a joy and like who she is in, in her body and, and, and I just respect the fuck out of her. And uh, she's been a really good friend to me and really like is like helping me kind of think about things in all sorts of ways. So shout out, Jenna. <laughs> That's great. It's important to have people uh, who can understand and help you through that stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. That's that's what we all want, right? It's just to be able to connect and feel understood. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel better now? Do you feel happier? Do you feel more like you yeah, I feel way better and way happier and way more like me. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel it does feel like a weight is lifted off to my shoulders, even though I'm not like I don't go out of my way to like explain it to people. But just like the fact that the people that know me and care about me see me and that I I see myself is huge because I, I pres- you know, I present quote unquote female. So like a lot of people just don't. It's just not which is fine. So pandemic is over. We're getting back out there. We're going to play. We release Traveling, the LP, yes? Yes. So how are things going for the band? I mean, at this point, are we uh, are we getting out? Th- when did you like get out there and start touring again? Oh, when did we? So our first tour with um, Cal- was uh, with Rid of Me was with Kowloon Walled City. Uh, oh. Yeah, one of our favorite bands and favorite people fight amp toured with them a bunch. Um, and I mean, I'm just a super fan. So being able to play with them was, and those guys was fucking great. So that was our first tour. That was, I think like two weeks if I remember, but that was like, right. As like 
things were being lifted. We were still masked at every show and everybody that came to shows was wore masks. Um, but it was sick. It was a fucking really awesome tour. Remember how crazy it was like with masks and COVID tests at every show and yeah, shows that's were con- kind of, that's how it was, yeah. Yeah, and shows were constantly getting shut down and people yeah. would be stuck in a hotel. I mean, that still happens a lot. Yeah, it's still happening for sure. Well, we have the new album now, yeah. Access to the Lonely. Yes. And that is coming out in November. Yeah. On Knife Hits Records. It is. And Den of Wax. The label run by the wonderful Mike McGinnis. The one and only. Yes. So we must be pretty excited about this. Yes. We're very, very, very excited about this. This record feels, um, I think for all of us, it's like a very defining record as who we are as uh, musicians, uh, collectively and individually, um, which is a very amazing feeling. When did production start? No, let's go back even further. When did we start writing it? (laughs) Oh, no. Dude, I'm so bad with time. Uh, (laughs) You're asking me this, and I'm like, I don't even know. Uh, We started writing it pretty pretty far back before the Kowloon tour. Uh, It was right before Ruben left the band. So whenever the fuck that was, uh, we started (laughs) writing it. Uh, Yeah. And uh, how does how does it work in the band? Like, do we get together in a room and jam it out, or do you bring a song to the band? Like, how how does it work? So normally, it's like somebody has a riff idea, and then we get down the riff idea or ideas, and and then McGinnis and Howard and me sometimes we'll get together, and Howard will program drums, and we demo the fuck out of everything. We're like huge, hard recommend to anybody in a band out there. Um, Demo everything. Just demo. It doesn't have to be good quality. Just fucking demo it. So we make demos. And then once we have a collection of demos, I start writing vocals. And, you know, the whole time I'm like thinking about melodies. And normally I'm thinking about ideas, words, things I want to talk about. Um, And then... I kind of have all this shit floating around in my head until I like sit down with the song and then I go, okay, I got to figure this out. (laughs) And then I, and I start with like a vocal melody and a pattern and then I like work on the lyrics. How do you get inspiration? Like when I'm writing a song, I, I usually, I usually just get struck. It's like struck by lightning almost. And I'm like, oh, the song is about this. Or if I'm going through something, that's an easy one. I can put that into the song. Like how does motivation motivation for content come to you? So some things I know I like already want to write about. Um, and then some things that'll come with like the melody will start in my head. And then I'll be like, okay, well, what's a word that works good with this melody? And then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to take it from there. And then, you know, or, or not even a word that works well with the melody, but like a word that works well with the rhythm and the melody, just kind of all of the things, right? I, I always hope as a vocalist to add to the music and not take away from, you know, I never want to be overbearing. I just want to be a part of it all. So I try to think of it in terms that way. And then, yeah, there's like things that I just kind of write about what I'm experiencing at that time, or I view it as, therapy if you will and like it's very cathartic for me so i'll uh, i tend to to just uh veer towards those type of topics so i kind of always you know yeah i i tend to uh just write about whatever's wrong at the time with me 
<laughs> yeah, very that. I feel you. Uh-huh. It helps. It helps. Only, only very recently, I I got this grand idea for like a concept type thing. So now I get when I get stuck, I can just like focus on the concept, right? If there's not yeah. like something personal going on. But have you ever gotten? Have you ever gotten really stuck and just like couldn't think of an idea for a song? Yeah. Fuck what yeah. do you do in that case? I go back to it. Actually, no, that's not true. Uh, I got stuck. There's a song called How You Say It Is. Um, and I was like kind of stuck on that for a minute. And then I just started picking notes. And I was like, I'm just going to like pick some notes. And then I did that. And I was like, I'm going to rip off Queens of the Stone Age. So then I like kept that kind of vibe in mind. And then I was like, what is a good topic that goes with like this kind of vibe? And I was like, oh, this is going to be just like a shit talking song. And that's essentially what it is. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I tried when I get stuck, I guess I just try to like, I just try shit. You know, I'm just like, well, let me just try some shit and see what fucking happens. And then once something sticks then everything else kind of snowballs into whatever so you just did this tour with cherubs yeah how long was it where did you go full u.s it was three and a half weeks um it was sick cherubs are like the loves of our lives they're like our fucking fam um that it's such a let me tell you like we all fucking geek nerd obsess over this band like we've all of our bands have been heavily influenced by them. They're like one of our favorite bands of all time. And we got to tour with them with the low dose. And when we met them and realized how fucking cool they were too, it was just like amazing. Um, yes. Touring with them, being able to play shows with them, being able to know them is just like such a blessing. It's really fucking great. They're, they mean a lot to us. So just to let everyone, <laughs> yeah, I just got to gush about fucking jobs for a minute. Yeah. Do you still like touring? I do. I like touring. I like meeting people and I love playing music. So uh, I like going places. I do like touring. Yes. Yeah. See, I uh, I don't like going places. <laughs> and I'm in a band now that does a little touring. And I, I uh-huh. thought I was I thought I was going to not like it because, you know, cramped in a vehicle with people, cramped in a room with people, love all of that stuff. But I really yeah. love it. I mean, Good. it's just like. Because you're out there doing something you love. Yes. And you get to play music and you just get to hang out and just be out there and play music and meet people like you're talking about. It. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I don't go out like a ton, especially now that I don't like drink. Um, yeah. Not that, you know, I still go out like I'm not whatever, but uh, it helps like. I like meet people. I like do things. I like experience life, you know, more so like because of it, like it's such a treat and yeah, like doing things that doing something that you love. Also what's really nice about it too is I find it's relaxing in the sense that like you only have like one thing you have to be responsible for, for all day. Right. You just got to get to the gig and play the gig. That's it. Uh, You know, all these other like life stressors, um, and things kind of like go to the wayside. Like I get very, I, I'm able to be very present on tour, which is something that is harder for me to do in like my normal day to day life. Yeah, that is a great point, actually. You know, imagine if just the band was your only job, right? That would be a dream. 
because you just have to go to the venue and do your thing. Like today at my day job, there's all this crazy stuff going on and emails. And I'm like, are they going to send the thing or do I do it? And I just have knots in my stomach. It's it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. No, it's not. It's way more stressful. Earlier, we were talking about depression. Do you still suffer from depression? Yeah, I do. How does it manifest for you in modern times? Um, well, I've, as I've had more experience with it and like learned, you know, how to handle it more, like, you know, um, it's hard. It's a struggle. Uh, I, music helps, playing music helps. Uh, I have a lot of really amazing friends and chosen fam. Um, I just kind of try and take it day by day. I've been on this like ego shedding journey. So I try not to like have like a fucking, you know, it's, it allows me to be less in my head about it. I try to have like a, a big picture perspective at all times. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard. It's a struggle, but it's also like fine. And I'm, I, I'm also happy. So, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm brutally depressed all the time, but it can be stifling sometimes. Yeah. That that's, uh, well, no, for one, I'm glad you're happy, but thank you. I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, th- I think I suffer from it a little bit too. It's kind of new territory for me. It, it's, it's been like recent, right? Like what I'll just be like, so unmotivated and I'll be la- like, one day I was so bummed out. I was just laying in bed and I couldn't even get up for like most of the day. And I was like, this has never happened before. I don't know what the fuck to do with this. Cause usually I'm just like a workaholic and I'll work on stuff and that is enough, but that hasn't been enough lately. And I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. Even earlier today, right? I was like, I can't do the podcast anymore. I can't do bands anymore. I don't want to do it. Uh, I feel horrible. And then two hours later, I was, I like ate. And yeah, and, I, and then I felt better, and I was like, "Okay, I'm back." So I guess uh, I guess it's important to remember that uh, the feelings won't necessarily necessarily last forever. Yeah, definitely, it's good to have that kind of perspective for sure. Yeah, to always like try and you know see the forest from the trees, if you will, or whatever. Exactly. So we've got the record coming out now. Yes. Um, so we we want people we want people to purchase the record, right? We would like people to purchase the record, yes. We need people to purchase the record. Access to the lonely. Yes. Search it on uh the internet of your choice. And I'm sure you can order it through your band camp, right? Yes. You can order yes. it through the band camp, yes. And what else do we have coming up? Do we have any big tours planned or do we have any big uh announcements we want to share or what else what's going on? So, um, we do have record release, uh, shows coming up, um, details about them will be out soon, but I'm really excited for these shows. Kowloon Walled City and Cherubs are going to be flying out for our record release shows. Um, yeah, we're really fucking stoked. Uh, Do you know when those shows are? So the shows are, so I know December 8th, we're playing... Richmond, I think, I believe Richmond on the 7th, Philly Mm -hmm. the 8th, ah, and then it's DC and New York, the 9th or the 10th. 
I don't know exactly, but all those details. Yeah. So we're just doing like a little run. Kowloon is going to be playing all the shows with us. I think Cherubs is only playing Philly and New York. Um, But yeah, we're fucking very excited for them. Uh, Philly shows at the church, New York shows at St. Vitus. Um, I'm not, I think the pie shop in DC and I don't remember where in Richmond. I'm so sorry. I am not good at this stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everyone, it's give Iteria a break. Check the socials. Yeah, go to the shows. A, yeah, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Check their socials. Go to the gigs. They sound like they're going to be great. And listen to the record. I love all the singles I've heard so far. And oh, I'm excited you. to hear the whole thing. Um, I'm excited for you to hear the whole thing as well and for everyone to hear the whole thing. And we hope you dig it. And uh, thanks for checking us out. Of course. Wait, was it Rid of Me that did the Cheryl Crow cover? Yes. That was sick. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good song. Uh, the If It Makes You Happy song. Yeah, it's a great song. I know. When I, I wanted to cover it for years. And then when I brought it up, uh, Howard was like, no. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yes. And he was like, fuck no. And we were like, yes. And I was like, trust me. I was like, we're going to slow it down. It's going to be sick as shit. And uh, we finally got him on board. So. I'm glad we did because it was fun. I'm glad because that's a great cover. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Iteria, we're coming to the end here. Do you have any uh, uh, inspiring words for the people or, you know, any news or anything that you want to share before we uh, before we wrap it up? Um, I don't know. I would say if you're in a band, demo your songs. Oh, um, yeah. I wanted to ask a follow up <laughs> question about that. Now, when you say demo your songs, you mean just record them, listen back to them? Like, what what, what are we accomplishing and what, are we, how is it going to help us? From the get, uh, record all of your ideas as soon as they come to fruition. Formulate a songs, record them then. Record the record before you record the record. It'll make everything way easier. Just, just that's the advice. Um, I don't, that's it. That's all I got, really. That's great advice. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to take that advice to my band and we're going to do you that. You should. You should. <laughs> I promise. Well, Iteria, listen, I appreciate you a lot. Uh, I'm happy that we got to catch up. Same. I'm looking forward to the new record. I wish you and the rest of the band the best. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Keith. All right. And now as part of our Artist Spotlight series... We are going to speak to Tristan DeGraves of Incendiary Device. Enjoy. We are here now with Tristan DeGraves. Tristan, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here, Keith. Yes, it's great to have you here, Tristan. There's a lot of exciting things going on. Incendiary device. 
has a self-titled LP out now on Bridge Nine Records. We're going to talk about that. We're going to learn a little bit about you. Awesome. Let me ask you first, Tristan, how are you doing today? <laughs> I am hanging in there. Um, it's been a busy week. We just had the big record release party in New York City at the Bowery Electric on Sunday. And um, I think we're still kind of coming down from that high. Oh, nice. How did that go? It was awesome. Uh, we really got so much love and support from the local like New York hardcore and punk communities. Uh, a lot of our good friends were out, new faces, old faces. So um, it was a love fest. And after you know the journey we've been through to get to this point, it really felt nice to get a lot of positive feedback. And um, you know, it was just it was just a great event all around. That's amazing. Where in New York are you? Well, I'm actually out on Long Island. So um, we kind of live all over the place. There's myself and the drummer. We're out on Long Island about 30 minutes outside of Manhattan. And uh, Drew Stone, the singer, he's in Manhattan. And uh, Sean, who is the guitar player, he used to live in Manhattan, but he actually just moved a little bit upstate. So we're kind of spread around the metropolitan area. Got you. Got you. Yeah, I, I live in uh, Brooklyn. I've been here since 2012. So uh, it's great. Awesome. Did you grow up on Long Island? So I'm originally from Long Island, but I moved out to California when I was 17. And um, I lived out in California for about 23 years. And uh, I've been back in New York almost 10 years now. So kind of been half of my life on each coast. Oh, wow. Wow. What prompted you to come back? Um, Just I really didn't have a lot of family out on the West Coast for the most part. So it was a little bit of work, a little bit love. Um. And, um, you know, I had been playing music with Drew actually from the West Coast too. So, you know, there was some incentive to get back here. So, you know, the projects we were working on, we could be in closer proximity, uh, just seemed to be the right move at that time. I'm curious about your intro to the greater world of punk and hardcore or whatever you want to call it. Sure. How did you discover it? Where did you discover it? What kind of bands and shows grabbed you? Tell me about it. You got it. Um, my journey into the sort of punk hardcore world really came through skateboarding. So as a, as a kid on Long Island, it was the mid eighties, like the height of the skateboard, the second wave of skateboarding craze. And the two really just went hand in hand. So I was really into heavy metal as well at that time. This is, you know, mid eighties we're talking. So, um, I was into heavy music in general, you know, Metallica, that type of stuff. And through skateboarding, Thrasher Magazine kind of just turned me on to, you know, the Misfits, Black Flag, Suicidal Tendencies, Circle Jerks, Agent Orange, like the typical, you know, JFA, the bands you would see in Thrasher Magazine. And there was a great local record store here on Long Island called Slip Disc and um, in Valley Stream. And they really had, they catered to heavy metal, uh, punk and hardcore music. So really through skateboarding and going to that store, um, that was what really kind of turned me on to the whole like punk hardcore thing. Oh, nice. So you must, uh, so coming up in the mid eighties, you must have seen some really classic bands over the years. Uh, certainly now I would say at that time I was young. So I was, I was around 12 years old at that time. So it was, I really was kind of less than age to get into a lot of the cool shows, um, as soon as I moved to California was where I really started seeing a lot of shows. But at that point, um, it was almost like the grunge era. 
Um, and then, you know, as time went on and all these old bands started reforming, I've since kind of seen them all. Um, but like the golden age of, you know, what everyone, um, you know, harkens back to like minor thread and bad brains at CBGBs. I was just, uh, that was a little before my time because I was, I was too young to catch all that. Um, you know, whereas our singer, he was there for all that stuff. When did you first go to gigs in New York city? Where did you go? Um, so back then it was a lot of, at that time it, I was going to basically like bigger heavy metal shows. Like, you know, some of the first big metal shows I went to were like Judas Priest, um, trying to think Wasp, Sabbath, whatever incarnation of them was around at that time, Metallica, Guns N' Roses. So it was like a lot of that kind of music was more accessible to me versus like the club shows in the city. You know, kind of once I moved to California was when I was really kind of got more involved in like the club scene in, um, you know, Orange County, Santa Barbara, different places where the, the whole punk thing kind of was, was still alive in, in some respect. It was cert certainly more accessible to me when I was uh, first moved to California than when I was kind of a kid in New York. What year was it when you moved out to California and how old were you? Uh, that was 92 and I was 17 when I moved. Oh, yeah. So that's like the height of grunge because I remember being four. I remember in 92, I was in fourth grade and people were talking about Pearl Jam and I had no idea what that was. And you're starting to hear about Nirvana and it was in, it was just in fully exploding. Yeah, exactly. That was, um, again, like the Lollapalooza era. So Soundgarden, Nirvana, uh, Pearl Jam, all that stuff was really big. Uh, at the time I lived in a small college town called Isla Vista. So they would get some good shows like Fugazi played, you know, right, right down the street from my house. I saw Fear. So there were bands coming through, kind of still doing that the club circuit at that time. But, you know, I would say mainstream music, it was all about the uh, alternative, quote unquote, craze for sure. Why did you move out to California? Uh, just I always felt a connection. I grew up skateboarding, surfing, and, um, you know, I, I was seeking warm weather and it's sort of a place where I could surf year round. And I just felt more connected to that culture. Um, and that was really the impetus for me, just giving it a, sh you know, moving out there, um, giving it a shot. So it was a brave move, but, um, I'm glad I did. It was a, you know, crazy, uh, part of my life that was, that was awesome. I'm glad I had the experience of, you know, living in both places for sure. Absolutely. I wanted to do the same thing. I could just never get my shit together enough to actually go do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I went to, I went to actually went out there for college initially, but then I, I wound up staying, you know, another 18 years. So, um, but that was the vehicle by which I was sort of able to make the leap. Um, you know, and it was a great thing. And uh, you played out there? You played in bands out there in California? Yeah, I played in a lot of bands out in California. Uh, myself, I've really had a very eclectic music experience. I've played, you know, jam band type stuff, classic rock stuff, hard stuff. And, um, you know, interestingly, I kind of got back into skateboarding when I had, um, so I have kids of my own. And when they started going to the skate park, I was surfing at that point, but not really back so much into skating um, because it's kind of in that era, you quit when you were like 18, 19, you know, you start getting all big injuries and transition more into surfing a lot. And I happened to be at a skate park and I couldn't believe it because we never had anything like that in New York. And the attendant was like, you look like you want to get in there. 
And I certainly did. And I was probably around 30, early 30s at this point. And I, I got back in the skate park. And living in California, you go to the skate parks and you see all the guys who you idolized in the magazines. You know, you could show up and Christian Hasoy's there or Steve Caballero's there or Lance Mountain's there. And I just caught the bug. And, and since then, you know, that's been almost 20 years ago. I've just been full tilt into, you know, skating all the time, even here in New York. And then that sort of got me fired up again on the music from that period of my life when I was young. And that's what really kind of dragged me back into like all that music that I, I kind of like as an adult, quote unquote, at 30 had had sort of not been, you know, as in, focused on. Um, and that kind of brought me back into the journey, you know, back into the sort of punk hardcore world. Wow. Was there a period where you weren't playing music for a long time? I'd say briefly, I had been in a classic rock influence band called Sunchild for years, and we had toured all over, you know, all over the United States, South America, Asia, Europe, and we just never really caught fire. We had like, we're always on the cusp of something big, but it never really materialized. And when that started kind of crashing down, I did a few other side projects for a while, um, and I was, I guess, on the cusp of 30 years old at that point and um, had gotten married and it was like time to grow up. So at that time, you know, I wound up getting like a quote unquote real job. I had just been playing music professionally up until then, um, you know, and that was sort of when I got a little bit disengaged from the actual music scene, I would say. And then, you know, finding skateboarding was what sort of rekindled you know, my passion about music and, um, skating again. And then I did start playing again shortly thereafter, you know, in a bunch of punk bands in, in California. And, um, you know, that's kind of when this second journey began for me musically. I like that. I like that. You know, I've gone through a similar thing. A lot of people I talk to have gone through a similar thing where you get married or you get busy with a job or in my case, yeah, I was busy with career and just being a fuck up for a long time. So I was still part of it, but not as much as I am now. And then I cleaned up and got my act together. And this podcast kind of happened on accident. And it's like, I'm back in it full time now. And it just feels really good to be connected with uh, the music that I love again. And I'm sure that's the case for you as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, looking back, I'm like, man, like, you know, it was, it just wasn't me to sort of, I mean, I still have a professional job, but um, you know, there's a, there's just a part of me that sort of always wants to remain 12 years old at heart, you know, when you're just innocent and everything's exciting, you know, I never, I never want to lose that inspiration, you know, so reality is a bit of a pill to swallow and it's hard when you have to pay bills and you have children and, you know, responsibility. But at the same time, there's just something so innocent, you know, about that youthful passion. And I always try to hold on to that, you know, and every, I, I never want to lose that part of myself. And I feel I did for a number of years. So, um, you know, but um, I guess being older and wiser, it's it's nice to hold on to that and have an outlet to still access it. That's great. How many kids do you have? So I have one biological son and two uh, two stepsons. So one biological son, two stepsons. Are you married? I'm currently not married, but I, I always say I when people ask, I usually say I am married because I've been we've been, I've been in a relationship with Kristen for we've been together I think ten years and you know we have a house etc. So it's everything but the actual um, you know uh, paperwork. 
Okay, so you you have a longtime partner. You've got three kids under the roof. You've got a uh, New York rent to pay. So yes, there there are many many responsibilities for you <laughs> yes. for sure. And, and I and I was married, so having done that once, um, you know, sometimes I, I always say it should be as difficult to get married as it is to get divorced. So having learned that lesson, you know, I guess I, I, at this stage, um, you know, that's why I guess we've just never officially tied the knot. Gotcha. Understandable. Yes. Tell us about Incendiary Device. When does the band get started? How does the band get started? So uh, myself, when I was living in California, um, I became involved with the New York band Antidote, who I was always a huge fan of. Um, and Drew Stone at the time was a singer of Antidote. And um, that was about, oof, it's probably 10, 11 years ago, right before I moved back to New York. And um, so we played in that band together, and then we've played in the High and the Mighty together, the Drew Stone Hit Squad together. We just we've done a number of projects, myself and Drew. Um, and then kind of coming out of the pandemic, it was like, let's do something new. And uh, I had been working on a whole batch of new songs, and um, you know, I, I showed them to him, and we were playing with the drummer at the time, Matt Gray, who had also played in a number of bands with us. And that's really where it came from. I mean, Drew and I have never stopped playing music together over the past 10 years in a variety of projects, but we finally felt it was time. Like, let's just do something new, something fresh. And um, that was really the impetus behind, you know, putting this band together and finally getting actual, you know, music recorded and out there. So it was a journey, you know, we've had an evolution playing in different bands together, but um, you know, this is something we're really proud of. That's awesome. So the bands together were playing. Did you just gig around in New York City or did you play in the Northeast? Like how out there were you getting? Um, so as Incendiary Device, we've played uh, all over the New York area for sure. You know, upstate, uh, Jersey. And we've done also some gigs out West as well. So we've been out to LA. We've been up to San Francisco, Portland, Seattle. So when we can, we try to get out there a little bit. It's usually just quick, like in and out, a couple shows, um, and back home. But you know, we're we're based out of New York, so uh, most of the shows we've done have been you know in the tri-state area. When and how do you get the attention of Bridge Nine Records? Ah, uh, so um, Chris Wren, who is the owner of Bridge Nine, he's he's been amazing to us. Uh, him and Drew kind of go way back. Um, so when this project, uh, antidote, the former band had been with bridge nine for a time and, you know, it was just w- doing something new, having something fresh on the table. You know, I, I don't remember, I know I went up to the opening of the bridge nine store and I believe at that time there was just conversations. Hey, we got a new project. Will you, will you check it out? And Chris has always been super supportive of anything we've done. So it just seemed like, you know, a natural progression, to sort of take a shot on the new band. And it's, and so far it's been fantastic. That's amazing. When did you uh, record the self-titled record and where? So we started recording this record uh, two Julys ago. So July of 2022, um, we did it at a place called Found Foundation in Brooklyn. Uh, I think it's like Carol, Gar- I want to say down by like Carol Gardens area, I believe. Um, we worked with an engineer, Brian DeMeglio. We had worked with that company before uh jesse cannon is another guy who works with brian 
and they engineered the 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 album uh we recorded it over the course of several months you know most of the the bass the bass and the drums are all done live those are all like one one crack at it basically and then we went back and you know added some more guitar tracks and did the vocals kind of over a process of a, a series of months um and then you know it took time just to get it mixed mastered everything seemed to be you know, it just takes more time these days. So we actually recorded it, as I said, almost a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. So we've just been like waiting, let's go, you know, but but getting everything together has certainly been a process. Um, finding the right guy to mix it, you know, it's, it just went through a number of incarnations until we felt we got it right. Right. Do you get impatient with that stuff or have you done it enough to where you're just like, no, this is the process. We're going to do this right. It's going to take as much time as it's going to take. Um, well, so <laughs> Drew and I have a very interesting dynamic, which it, it works for us. It's a little bit like yin yang thing. He tends to be very impatient and just wants things done. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And I tend to be much more strategic and methodical. So I think, you know, in regard to your question, I was okay with the pro although frustrating. Yes, of course. I think the end result is the most important thing. So whatever it took to get it right was more my approach. Um, certainly glad things unfolded the way they did now that it's done. But you know, there was some harrowing moments where like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you know, someone's not available to do a session for a couple weeks or, you know, the um, Dan Kornoff who did the mix wasn't available right away. So there, there was some, you know, sort of hiccups like that but you know in the end i i know it's always takes longer than you think it's going to take and the important thing is getting it right versus getting it out there absolutely i i tend to get swept up and i'm like i want to get it done i want to get it out there i want people to hear it so it's good to have someone like you in the band tristan who can be like no let's go through this process because you want to do it the right way yeah agreed and you know something like this being that um you know, we've played in other bands, we have other things out there that we've done, whether it's together or separately, you know, over the course of our career. And that goes for all the guys in the group. We just wanted to make sure we got it right. And it's like, you, you got one shot really to make that first impression. And, you know, I, I thought that was critical. You don't want to, I've certainly done projects where we rushed it out and you like, it, it it bothers me to hear it now. So I, I didn't <laughs> want to feel that way about this. It just seemed so important to us. It's kind of a rebranding, you know, of, of what Drew and I have done together and with, with new members of the band. And we just really wanted it to be, you know, right. You only get that one shot to make a first impression. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's great. And we have the record now and it's out on Bridge Nine Records. How is everything going so far? Have we have we heard good things? Are we are we feeling it? I think definitely. I mean, you know, you never you never know when people are blowing smoke up your ass or they or they really like it. Um, I would say I've I've heard nothing but good feedback. Um, and you know, not to mention any names, but there are certain guys in the scene who I just respect so much and admire their catalog of work. So when you hear from them, you know, they don't need to reach out to say, congrats, I love it. It sounds great. Um, or this song really inspired me, but we've gotten feedback of that magnitude. So when you hear that, you know, it just makes you feel really good. Like, all right, or the work was worth it. And, you know, people are digging it. People are listening to it. Um, you know, and hopefully it's differentiated. There's there's so much music out there now. Every you know, with the 
gone are the days with record companies and things like that. And anyone can get music up and streaming. So, you know, the market tends to be kind of saturated. It's hard to differentiate yourself. Um, but I do feel like we've gotten feedback that it's catchy, it's punchy, it, it's memorable, it's melodic. Um, so it certainly feels nice to get that feedback when you believe that yourself, you know, but you, you never know sort of until you hear from the public their thoughts on it. So, so far, so good. Right. Yeah. No, and it does sound different. It does stand apart because it has that classic kind of hardcore punk feel with all the melody and the catchiness that you're talking about. And, you know, there, there's like, there's just so much music out there these days. There's so much good music out there these days. There's a lot of different sounds in hardcore and metalcore and whatever else you want to call it. But, you know, I think Incendiary Device is doing something special with this record for sure. Yeah. I mean, thank you. I really appreciate, um, you know, hearing your feedback. I appreciate that. And, you know, that's what we were going for. We have so many influences amongst the band members and everyone gets to add their, their little flair. And, you know, we're all big fans of classic hardcore and punk music. And, you know, hopefully you hear that in the music. Definitely. I was going to ask you, is that your thing? Do you like that classic hardcore punk sound? Like, is that your main thing when it comes to this type of music? Uh, yeah, I would say I would say definitely. I mean, I love going to see new bands, you know, relatively modern era bands. I, I definitely love seeing live bands. But, but when it comes to listening, for the most part, you know, I'm still stuck like pre-1985. You know, I go, go back to the same stuff. Black Flag, Circle Jerks, Cro-Mags. Um, you know, Kraut, Agnostic Front, like, and a lot of British music as well. I love the Buzzcocks and the Damned are amongst my favorites, Coxbar. So, um, you know, kind of influenced by all that, just the, the collective, you know, punk hardcore catalog. But generally for me, it's the older stuff that I tend to just, you know, always wind up circling back to. So do you have any shows coming up or anything we can announce? So we have some things in the works for uh, the New York area, um, but I'll tell you the ones that we are, you know, we have coming up that are in stone. We're doing the um, Extreme Music Awards up in Albany on January 12th. So I believe we're playing like the pre-party for that. That's a Friday um, up in Albany. And then um, that's at the uh, Empire Theater, I think it's called, Empire Live. And then we have a show as well coming up in February in New York City. Not announced yet, but I'll just say there's great bands on it um, from what I've seen so far. And that should be at the Bowery Electric. So those are the next two that I know of. And then there's definitely others in the works that um, will be announced shortly. So everybody, let's make sure we check out the record. They've got the self-titled LP out right now on Bridge Nine Records. There's shows to look forward to. We're doing it all. We're doing everything, right, Tristan? <laughs> we certainly are. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, I love what you guys are doing. I'm looking forward to more, and I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely, Keith. I uh, really appreciate you supporting us, and it has been my pleasure. And there you have it, Iteria Rosenberg. Excellent, excellent conversation. Great to catch up with Iteria. I've known him for a long time. I'm happy to see him doing awesome things now in Rid of Me. And it was just great to hear about his musical history, all the bands 
everything going on. I hope you all have heard Access to the Lonely. The LP is great. Great to hear from Tristan, an incendiary device as well. Awesome, awesome stuff. Okay, so let's check in, huh? How are we doing? I'm exhausted. That's how I'm doing. I have to spend the entire weekend working, so I'm going to keep it relatively short this week. I was in Maryland Monday through Wednesday for work, and that trip was fairly easy. And it was nice. You know what? I don't mind long drives. It was a four-hour drive down there. I went down there and I caught up on some music. I listened to the New Values Here record. That was great. I listened to Shelter, Mantra. That was great. I listened to Access to the Lonely from Rid of Me. That was great. All kinds of stuff. Any chance that I have to just tune out and listen to music and catch up on everything are great times. I'm back now. I got back Wednesday afternoon, but work is so busy right now. My day job, there's just so much going on that I've been working nonstop all week. When I was in Maryland working, up late working, I'm back here. I'll be working all weekend on day job stuff and podcast stuff. And I have a few days off next week, but I don't even know if I'll get to take them because there's just too much going on. Too much. So things are busy, trying to get through it. Thanksgiving is this week, so I hope everybody has a good one. So let's check in with the New Scene Community Hour. We have a couple Spotify Q&A responses here. Episode 200 with George Clark from Death Heaven. Bobby Anand says, Great episode. Looking forward to seeing this tour at the Novo. Anything special for the encore after Sunbather is performed? Good question, Bobby. I wonder if they'll be playing anything else outside of Sunbather. I would imagine so, because when people do these full album shows, they tend to throw in a couple other things. I know Quicksand did for the Slip Tour, and that was really good. I uh, I don't look at the set list before the band plays. I like to be surprised. So more will be revealed there. Episode 201 with Porcel. Sean says, Radical. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, a lot of good feedback from the Porcel episode. That was a really awesome conversation. Happy that Porcel came on the show. And we have a new review, a new Apple Podcast review from Ronald Reagan, the actor. Five stars, such a good host, great guests. And while many podcast hosts are abrasive and over the top, Keith is the perfect amount of laid back without being boring. Feels like a good hang. Every time I listen. Amazing. Thank you, Ronald Reagan, the actor. And keep those five-star reviews coming on Apple Podcasts. Once again, we're trying to get over 200. Hit the five-star button. Write a review. I will read it here during the New Scene Community Hour. So thank you so much to everybody who contributes to the show. Thank you, everybody who's sending reviews. We're doing it. We are getting there. All right, so I'm going to end the show with Waco Jesus by the Callous Dow Boys. This is from their new three-song EP. It's called God Smiles Upon the Callous Dow Boys, and it's really good. This band is doing awesome things. I'll add the song to our new scene 2023 Spotify playlist. So follow the playlist, check it out. I add all of my personal recommendations. I add every guest that's been on the show. Everything is there in one convenient spot for you to check out all the music. 
I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks everybody for listening and until next time. Well